0: You know, I think what organizations need to know is the younger generation not only respect diversity, they want diversity and they're gonna push for it. Let's peek inside the mind of a boomer.
1: This is Boomer Randomness, a podcast dedicated to the baby boom generation with random observations about boomer life from boomers, including topics like music, movies, memories, marriage and divorce retirement, bucket lists, kids and grandkids, travel, medical crap that old people talk about, and a whole lot more. Here is your Boomer host, Bernie Lucas. Some Boomers still work, and the workplace includes many different generations. In the last episode, we started the conversation about multi-generational workplaces with Mary Abajay, workplace consultant, author of Managing Up, and host of the Cubicle Confidential podcast, we talked about generation stereotype myths and realities, a renewed interest in retaining older workers, and communication differences between the generations. Here is the rest of our conversation. Some other things for generations, I'm thinking just changes between, you know, Boomer's earlier work experience and now Things like um, like racial and gender equality, um, and, and that kind of thing in, in the workplace, a lot a lot of changes. Are you seeing any any conflicts or optimism about it, that? Or
0: well, yeah, you know, I think one of the challenges that um, the younger generations, you know, as the world as the world as a whole is being much more tolerant, uh, accepting, interested in diversity. In uh, all kinds, you know, gender, racial equality, sexual orientation, that it's always easier for the younger people to accept these changes. Right. right. Uh, because they're less invested in the old way. So we do see some challenges with the older generation kind of adopting into, you know, the new uh the new way of thinking or talking about other people or inclusion or diversity. Uh They're very second, there can be very second world ways. And one of the challenges we see that in is around uh, language, you know? So as we are learning about, you know, appropriation and about language that is non-inclusive, that can be really hard for, older people to adjust to. And it's not so much that they may disagree with the notion behind it, as it can be very hard to change habits of language. Uh, So we are seeing that, you know, the diversity thing gets hard because people who are in the majority, you know, like the white men uh, and to the white women, to some extent, you know, we think that we made it here based on our enormous talent and hard work, where the truth is, A lot of us already had a leg up, right, when we started. So it's, you know, that's that's like changing any kind of bias. You know, I think what organizations need to know is the younger generation not only respect diversity, they want diversity and they're going to push for it. So organizations would be well served to make sure that they are creating diverse and inclusive workplaces. Plus, it's better business. I mean, study yeah. after study shows that when you have a diverse workplace, a diverse culture where people feel included and they belong, well, then you you make more money. I mean, yeah. they've known that for years.
1: you kind of in that same vein. Uh, face-to-face meetings, I'm, I'm picturing a conference table with eight or ten people in a company, various generations, you know, from, from boomers uh, on down to much younger, even down to to, to Gen Z. Different. Are there different... This is a stereotype, maybe, but different styles in interacting with people, like maybe some generations are more verbal in that context and maybe others are more reluctant to speak up about whatever their their feeling is on the on the topic they're discussing.
0: Oh, that's a great question. So I think to answer that, I think while, well, yes, there are some generational differences in how p- comfortable people are speaking, let's say, truth to power or truth amongst power, yeah. a lot of that's going to be based on your sonority in the organization, your personality style, right? Raging extroverts, always want to add, like, <laughs> uh, and your position in the organization, the phase of your career, those sorts of things. Uh, but to talk about it just from a generational perspective, I think uh, a lot, let's take it like when people first enter the organization. So when boomers first came in the workplace, it was very much like a respect thing where you wait for your elders to speak to you, right? Yeah. So they probably have had a lot more restraint and more respect. Uh, Gen Xers, nobody ever cared about their opinions growing up anyway. So they probably were a little more reticent than the boomers to speak up. Um, but because Gen Xers tend to be more impatient, they probably did speak up more early in their career than the uh, millennials. But then you have the millennials and your Gen Z come to the workforce, and they tend to be a lot more outspoken in the, earlier in their career than the generation preceding them. And that's largely social scientists think based on the fact of the way they were parented was very different. So uh, boomers and Xers kind of got the, you know, don't speak until spoken to, you know, right. <laughs> if we, when we want your opinion, we'll give it to you sort of thing. <laughs> well, the millennials and the Zers were much more likely to have been been raised in uh, democratic family systems where parents cared about their opinion. Parents let them weigh in on decisions. And so when you are raised and they were much more empowered uh, and so when you're raised thinking that you are empowered, that your opinion matters, that adults care about what you think, when you come into the workforce, naturally you're going to be much more comfortable telling adults what you think uh, and I'm doing adults in air quotes. So I, I do think that that has played into our perception that they're entitled or you know, are or, or needy, but I think they were much more comfortable at an earlier age speaking up than than the other generations.
1: Another issue: uh, what, what are the trends, or what are you seeing in this uh, loyalty to a company? Seems- yeah,
0: that's just over. Yeah, <laughs> that, I mean, that's just over. Um, you know, if a comp- well, companies need to define what loyalty means first of all, because right. back in the day, back in the boomer day and the silent generation day, the loyalty was you work for me for thirty years, I'll give you a gold watch. Uh, Gen Xers are more like you work with me as a person for a long time and we'll succeed together. The company is not as loyal. So Gen Xers were never going to be loyal to any one company. they were loyal to the company as long as they were succeeding on their own. Uh, they were getting a career, uh, and millennials and, and Gen Z, they think being loyal means while I'm working for you, I will do a really good job. And that's it. And so we really have to really think about what loyalty means. I know that a lot of organizations are now really thinking about like, what is the retention factor for these young people? What is it I need to give them? Because this is a partnership. What do I need to give them to keep them loyal? And and you know what? That's that's the right attitude. I, I, think, I think 20th century thinking is uh, we should be grateful to have a job. And 21st century thinking is you should be grateful. I'm willing to work for you. This is the Boomer Randomness Podcast.
1: I'm Bernie Lucas talking about multi-generational workplaces with workplace consultant Mary Abajay. And I guess one more thing for, for question for boomers who are either not retired or who whose jobs are phased out, but they still want to work. And maybe they've worked for a company for a long time and are out of practice interviewing for a job or even, you know, or or, or resumes or anything, any suggestions or tips for, for that group?
0: Yeah, so on the one hand, my one tip is gonna be uh around ageism, which is very real. Okay, so let's be really clear. Ageism is very real. Uh so one suggestion would be don't give your whole, don't give your whole CV, your whole resume with every job you've had since your first job out of college. I'd list the last couple of really important jobs. I'm not sure I would put dates on my when I graduate from college or whatever. I probably would not put dates on that. You don't wanna give any reason for uh your uh, for the uh, person who's reviewing the resumes not to give you an interview uh, so that's number one number two I would really look into like the the m- more kind of modern form of interviewing. Um, And that's usually doing a video or phone interview first. So if you're doing that, make sure that your video game is hot and on the Monday, which (laughs) means good lighting, strong background, good Wi-Fi, you know, know how to show up on video. And then be prepared. A lot of the behavioral interviewing questions these days are tell me about a time when. So start to gather some of your bigger success stories. And I want you to answer those questions in the STAR format. Don't ramble. STAR stands for situation, uh, situation, uh, act, uh, actions taken and results. So tell your stories, but keep them succinct. Keep them around. Here was the situation. Here are the actions that I took. Here are the results that I got. So just brush up on your interviewing skills and you know, do what you can not to look like an old fogy dinosaur. And I don't mean that like go out and look like you're 18, but make sure that your appearance looks like you have like vitality, right? Vitality and energy. That's what people care about.
1: Yeah, just the the whole the whole look of people in the workplace is so different. So different. Yeah. And so yeah, adapting to that. And of course, in my case it was media, so it was always more casual, but you know, and some some of the people, you know, particularly managers or or salespeople, were definitely much more dressed up than, you know, yeah. people in front of a microphone or or people way behind the scenes kind of thing.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the biggest challenge for baby boomers uh, uh, doing interviews, if this can be on the video, really taking a test, especially if they've been out of work for a while, really understanding the the importance of lighting, background, camera. Uh, like get that right, because we all expect people to understand how to use that stuff. And you don't want to show like you don't know how to use that stuff.
1: Yeah, and I'm I'm we're doing this on Zoom, and it's like you definitely have the lighting and the background and everything all Dude, together. It's like you're a role model for this, Mary.
0: I'm a role model for this. <laughs> I teach this stuff. I got to show up. But I've also made it really easy because I spent a lot of my time on Zoom camera, so I have a really nice virtual background. I got some good lighting. I got a nice camera. You know, I'm hooked up right into my Wi-Fi. No Wi-Fi, I mean right to my ether. Yeah, got got to know you got got to know your audience and, and the technology.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, and I'm I'm an audio junkie, and it's like your audio is as good as mine. And and mine's like supposedly professional radio quality, whatever and you know, and your podcast audio is superb. Speaking of your podcasts, how's your podcast going? Tell people Hi. what they would expect to see on Cubicle Confidential.
0: Well, thanks for asking. It's going great. So Cubicle Confidential is a weekly podcast. Uh, it's weekly advice for the working stiff. So every show, my co-host, uh Chris DeSantis and I field listeners questions about their, about their challenges, their complaints, their problems uh, in the working life, whether it's with their colleagues or their bosses, or they don't know what to do with their career. And so it's really, it's really super fun. It's about 30 minutes and it comes out every Wednesday and you can find it wherever you listen to find podcasts.
1: Excellent. Anything else we should uh, talk about here in our remaining few minutes?
0: I would just say, you know, the generational friction has been with us forever since Socrates time. <laughs> it's not going away anytime soon. Uh, what we can do is just understand that generational differences usually end up as biases that we are carrying like any kind of bias that we have. So instead of making up a story about that young person next to you or that old person next to you, take some time to actually get to know that person uh, and to be able to appreciate uh, that they may have a different aspect or different outlook on life or a different way of working uh, than you do. And you know what? That's okay. We have to do what we can to come together to create good, positive working lives for ourselves and for our colleagues. Uh, because at the end of the day, we're all in this together. So we can either help each other out or we can make ourselves miserable and others as well.
1: Yeah, Excellent. All right. Mary Abijay, thank you so much. It's great talking to you in, in, in podcast format rather than just the restrictions we have with radio and timing and everything. So I appreciate your time.
0: I appreciate you asking me to be here. It's always lovely to see you. And Hey, congratulations on your upcoming wedding.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Let's close this episode of boomer randomness with a few random statistics the first baby boomers hit the traditional retirement age of 65 in 2011. By 2029, every baby boomer will be 65 or older. From a study by Transamerica Center for Retirement Studies in 2022, only 59% say their employers are age friendly by offering things like work arrangements, training, and tools needed for employees really of all ages to be successful. A recent article in Kiplinger says about 70% of baby boomers worry about a potential recession and 22% plan to delay their retirement. Retirement living found that 18% of boomers relied entirely on social security or government programs for retirement income. 36% relied heavily, 26% relied moderately. And one more A study from Alliance Life Insurance Company of North America found that 74% say they can't count on Social Security benefits for retirement income, and 88% say they've got to have another income source to have a comfortable retirement. I'm Bernie Lucas. Thanks for visiting my Boomer Randomness podcast. If you're a boomer who's still working, I hope these last two episodes have been helpful. I wish you the best. And the rest of your work life, and hope you have a good retirement in your future. Here's what's coming up on Boomer Randomness. The next episode is a collection of random observations. Future episodes could include Boomer dating, medical crap, and uh, movie reminiscing. And I'm planning to revisit some topics from the first season, but with additional commentary from other Boomers. As always, thanks for listening. Spread the word. Learn more about Boomer Life at BoomerRandomness.com. Check us out on the Boomer Randomness Facebook and on Twitter at BoomerRandom1. Okay, Boomer, thanks for listening. And tell everyone you know about Boomer Randomness.